A Kohen, or for that matter, the Kohen Gadol, is not permitted to serve in the Mishkan or the Beis Hamikdash unless they are wearing their appropriate uniform. And as we'll see in this week's parasha, the Torah tells us this in two different places, apparently in two different ways, as Rashi points out. And from that, we'll learn a tremendous lesson, not just about the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol, but about what it is to be Jewish and our connection to Hashem. In our parasha, we also have the section that talks about preparing and wearing the clothing of the Koyanim, which concludes with the following instruction. Those uniforms should be on Aaron and his sons when they enter into the place of holiness, or when they approach the Mizbeach to do the holy service, and if they have those clothes, then they will not carry a sin and they will not die. Pierce Rashi, from which Rashi tells us, Umesu, the fact that it says that if they wear the clothes, they won't die, from that we learn, that if a person would serve, if a coin would serve in the Beis Hamikdash or in the Mishkan without that uniform, then, God forbid, that the person would deserve the death penalty. At least, however it works. The Mephorashim have a question on Rashi. Hang on a second. Uh, Twelve sukim earlier, Rashi already told us this information. What does the Pasuk say earlier? That Aaron had to wear his uniform when he served. And he would hear the sound of the bells at the fringe of his me'il when he came into the holy place. If now Hashem in front of Hashem would say so, and when he left, and then he would not die. Says Rashi, from the negative, you can imply the positive, which is, if he has the uniform, he will not deserve, God forbid, the opposite of life. But if Aaron would enter into the Mishkan, or subsequently the Kohen Godel, into the base of missing one of these clothes, then he would, he would deserve, God forbid, heavenly decree of death. So if that's the case, ask them for a shame. We already learned this a few psukhamilias. Why does Rashi have to repeat the same law and tell us as if to say, from here we learn information? It's not from here, we've already got that information beforehand. So had we not seen Rashi's commentary on this second Pasuk, then we could say we understand why the Pasuk repeats the same information twice, because that's what Psukim sometimes do, to emphasize how serious a transgression this would be. As we find in many places, the Torah often repeats the same prohibition or the same warning to illustrate that if a person transgresses, it's actually a double transgression or various other reasons. That's what we would have thought, but Rashi is now telling us that's not the case. Rashi here clearly says the second time that it talks about not missing any of the clothes, he says, from here we learn. Which seems to imply that it is specifically from this second reference that we learn the law that the Kohen Gadol or the other Kohanim may not miss any of the uniform when they go serve in the, in the Beis Amikdash. So that doesn't make any sense. Rashi fiercely ill. Rashi already in the previous pasuk explained this principle to us. and told us that we learn this principle from that pasuk. Why now is he saying that we learn it from this pasuk? So we're going to see various uh, suggestions by the Mephorashim before we get to the one 
fundamental shift that the Rebbe is going to give us. So Ra'im Kasav Levo'er, one of the commentators on Rashi, the Ra'im says, the earlier Pasuk that said that you have to have the uniform when you go into the base Amigdash. That was only talking about was actually only referring to the six parts of the uniform that we already knew about at that point, namely the Choshen breastplate, the Eifoid, the so-called apron, Mi'il, the long tunic, Kasoinus, the shirt, Mitznefes, Ve'avnet, and the hat and the belt. But we didn't yet know that the, equal, that the same prohibition applies to the tzitz headband that the Kohen God wore, or the Mechnesayim pants that all Kohanim wore, because they were not yet mentioned by the time we came across that early Pasuk. And therefore, says the re-aim, that Rashi is telling us the, the added information. The fact that if the Kohen God is not wearing his tzitz, or if any Kohen is not wearing Mechnesayim, and they come to serve in the base of Mikdash, that is an equal offense. That That's what we're learning from this second pasuk that says, "Do not carry sin, and therefore be chayv, God forbid, death." Which is in our pasuk only after we had already learned about the tits and the the pants. And the truth is, you can actually read this into the words if you really want. Rashi, we could probably see this in Rashi's words because in the first pasuk. Because of Rashi, Rashi's words were, If a Kohen entered the Beis HaMikdash missing one of these, key word, these clothes, that implies the ones we've already spoken about. Whereas when Rashi was interpreting our Pasuk, he didn't say these, he just said missing any clothing. Behind one, that would possibly indicate because maybe as the Ra'im is telling us, the Rashi's version is that at the time we come to the earlier Pasuk, we only know about six garments and therefore the Torah is only talking about what happens if any of those six are missing. Those that had already been listed. Whereas when we get to the latter Pasuk there, Rashi leaves it much more generic that if a Koyan serves missing clothes, at all. Now we learn that it's any of the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol, or of course the four of the Kohen Hedjot, that would be an offense and would be problematic. That's the Re'aim's suggestion, except that it raises another question for us. So who needed the first Pasuk? So the question is now the other way around. We were trying to explain why we need the second Pasuk. He's explained it. But based on this explanation, there apparently is no need for the earlier Pasuk. Because, By the time the Torah has given us the names of all eight types of uniform that the Kohanim had to wear, and then tells us, and you have to wear them because if not, Chayav Misa, why did we need an earlier reference only about the six begodim? That seems inefficient. Knowing that the Torah is going to incorporate that in the eight begodim, it's going to tell us in a later pasuk. So, great answer to why we need the second pasuk, but you've just raised the question why we needed the first pasuk in the first place. So, let's look at some of the other commentators. There were other who suggest unlike the Re'aim who said that the first Pasuk is talking about six of the garments and the second Pasuk is talking about all eight of the garments of the Kohen Gadol the other Mephoshim say actually that's not the case they were not talking generically about the garments at all the earlier Pasuk was only talking about the long Me'il tunic that the Kohen Gadol used to wear 
because that's the subject of that particular pasuk and the immediate context. So yes, there are other garments that are listed earlier, but that's not what the Torah is talking about at that point. So therefore, what's it saying that you have to have in order to avoid Misa is the Me'il. Whereas the second later pasuk, that they have to, Aaron and his sons have to wear them, what is them? Hirak ben Agalam is only referring to the pants that the Kohanim would wear under the uniform. And the reason that we would suggest that is because that's the immediate context. That was the particular Levush, the Beged, that was spoken about just beforehand. How come then did Rashi speak in such a generic way and said, if a person serves in the base Amikdash missing any part of the uniform, if you're actually saying that we're talking specifically about the Me'il in Pasuk 1 and about the Mechnesayim in Pasuk 2. Right? The earlier Pasuk, he was even maybe a little bit more specific. He said, if you're missing one of these garments, how does that work if you're only talking about one garment anyway, the Me'il? So these Mephoshim will say, well, that's factual, but Rashi is not suggesting that those facts emerge from these Psukim. We know it from elsewhere. Because they will argue that the fundamental principle that a Kohen Gadol has to, uh, has to work only wearing the uniform is something we get from a different Pasuk. What's the Pasuk? That you have to put the belts around the Kohanim. This is an instruction to Moshe dressing up the Kohanim for service. And those garments, that uniform, that will be the symbol of their Kohuna as an eternal uh, principle of Judaism. In other words, the Torah is telling us that without these garments, you're not a koyan, you cannot be in service. And the Gemara learns exactly that from that pasuk. As long as that uniform is on them, they are officially koyanim. But if they are not wearing those garments, they are not considered koyanim. And they are considered like any other member of the Jewish nation. And any person who is not a Koyan who serves in the base Hamikdash is uh, deserving of the death penalty. So, so what's Rashi telling? Rashi knows that the fact is that you, you're not allowed to serve without a full uh, uniform. That any one of the begotten that is missing is a capital offense. But, so therefore, Pirish Rashi Therefore, these Mephoshim say, in spite of the fact that we only learn the details of the Me'il from the first Pasuk, we only learn the details of the Mechnasayim from the second Pasuk, but Rashi will comment that any of those parts of the uniform that are missing would be Chayv Mesa, because that's the truth. It's a wonderful suggestion, but it really does not fit with what Rashi always seeks to do, which is to explain things in the simplest way. First of all, in order for this commentary to work, Rashi is relying on us knowing information the Torah hasn't yet spoken about, and we know that Rashi doesn't usually do that. He'll usually give us information we haven't yet learned. But besides that, there are two other issues with this particular explanation. Let's go to that Pasuk that is officially the source of the fact that a Koyan may not serve unless he's wearing his uniform. Look at Rashi over there. Rashi doesn't breathe a word of what the Gemara says. That they have to wear their uniform in order to qualify as Kohanim, in order to be able to serve in the base Amigdash. He doesn't say that at all. And a Pirishamrak, all he says is, This was the initiation in order to become permanent Kohanim. 
That's just a generic principle about what happened during the seven days of inaugurating Kohanim to serve in the base Amigdash. It has no bearing on what you wear in order to be able to serve in the base Amigdash. So if that's Rashi's view, it would be quite a stretch to say that Rashi here is relying on the fact that we know information from a Pasuk later on, when that same Pasuk later on, Rashi doesn't even explain in the context of what we'd like it to be, that that's the source that the Koyan has to be fully uniformed in order to serve in the base Amikdash. Question two, base. Let's go back to the first Rashi that we've quoted over here. Where Rashi just says simply, That if the coin would enter missing one of the items of his uniform, dot, 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 it would be a capital offense. You could maybe stretch the point to say, That there Rashi was speaking based on the correct Principle, although it's not learned from that pasuk, that a coin has to serve wearing his full uniform, even though this is not where we're learning it from. But you could never squeeze that into the second pasuk. Remember, Rashi began the second pasuk by saying, "From here, from here, we learn that a coin has to wear his uniform when he serves in the base amigdash." Clearly, from here and not from the pasuk that is coming later. So, what have the, the what has this particular commentary helped us? And so, therefore, we're back to square one. Why is Rashi explaining effectively the same principle, two different psukim, as if to say that the Torah is teaching us the same thing twice without it being because it wants to show the severity of the transgression? So we're going to suggest one other potential um, explanation, and then we'll see the Rebbe's fundamental shift. Perhaps there's another way to explain this, and that's And that would be based on another distinction that we're going to notice between the wording of Rashi in his two commentaries over here. But Pasukarishin, the first time that Rashi discusses this issue, Loshin Rashi, he, he uses the expression, that if the Kohen will enter the space, the precinct of the base Amikdash with a missing piece of the uniform, that's a problem. Whereas in the second Pasuk he says, that the problem is not entering the space, the problem is serving and actually performing the avoider in the base Amikdash. Maybe that's the big issue over here. In fact, the Mephoshim say exactly this. Going back to the version that says the first Pasuk was only really telling us about the Me'il. Where the Torah tells us, One of the objectives of the Me'il was to, so to speak, announce the Koyan's arrival in the holy precinct by the bells that jingled at the bottom of the Me'il. It's when he's entering, right? That's when the bells are ringing to announce his arrival. So that clearly is telling us that the Pasuk must be addressing the Koyan's entry into the space, regardless of whether or not he would actually perform one of the ritualistic avoiders that are required in the Beis Amikdash. Whereas the latter Pasuk, which says they shouldn't carry any kind of sin and be chasvashonim chayimisa, there the Torah is talking specifically about approaching the Mizbech in order to serve in the holy uh, service. That's That's obviously telling us that if a person serves while missing part of the uniform, that's a capital offense. It's talking about avoider. There's your distinction. The first Pasuk is talking about entering the space, and that's a problem if a person, a coin, is missing part of his uniform. The second Pasuk is talking about serving in the space, and that's a problem if he's missing his uniform. 
If I already know that it's a transgression to enter the base Hamikdash, missing part of the uniform, so surely surely you don't have to tell me. And not only is it transgression to enter missing part of the uniform, but it's also transgression to serve missing part of the uniform. Well, surely that's obvious. The guy crossed the threshold of the base amigdash. His chayv mesa. What's the difference now if he serves missing a part of his uniform? Okay, well, we could explain that. In the Mephoshim suggest a couple of different perspectives. Number one, Aleph, The Pasuk over there was talking about entering where the Oyel Moed, which in the Beis Hamikdash would be the Heichal, the actual building of the Beis Hamikdash. If you enter there as a Koyen without part of the uniform, that's a problem. But we don't know that it's a problem to be in the outdoor open air Chatzar of the Beit Azorah. The Chatzar of the Mishkan, the Hazorah of the Beis Hamikdash, but Gishtam and Mizbech, when you're approaching the Mizbech, maybe that's okay to be missing a part of the uniform. Therefore, that's what the second Pasuk would come and explain to us. Even if it's outdoors, but the person is approaching to serve at the Mizbech, there there is no prohibition to walk into the Azorah with a missing part of the uniform, but there is a transgression the minute he begins to serve in that space, missing part of the uniform. As Rashi said, serving while missing part of the uniform is a capital offense. Also, this very fact that Rashi is telling us that there is a transgression, capital offense, to enter the base Amigdash missing part of the uniform, and there's a capital offense to serve in the base Amigdash missing part of the uniform. That's because we have two psukim to illustrate that information to us. So the first pasuk is illustrating to us the principle that entering the base Hamikdash missing part of the uniform is problematic. And the second pasuk is specifying that serving without the entire uniform is problematic. Had there only been a single pasuk. We actually would have misunderstood. And we would have thought where the, where the Torah is going with this is that if a person serves in the base Hamikdash missing part of the uniform, that's a capital offense. We would not know that even just simply walking in missing part of the uniform is a capital offense. Hence, we need to psukim. Maybe that's the explanation. There's a distinction between entering versus serving in the base Hamikdash, and Rashi illustrates that distinction. But it's not perfect. Because even this explanation does not seamlessly fit with the simplest understanding of the Pasuk. Because the truth be told, the later Pasuk addresses not only serving in the Beis Hamikdash, which is where we were going with this, but even entering the Beis Hamikdash. Because what does it say? If they come into the Oyel Moed, or they serve. There you have it, both of them, entering and serving. They shouldn't do that in order that they don't die. And therefore the, the latter pasuk would be enough to give us the information that there are two possible transgressions, both of which are capital offenses. One is entering the space, one is serving in the space. Again, back to square one. Why do we need two psukim? 
especially when you consider something the Rebbe discussed elsewhere. That actually, halachically, a Koyan has no business walking into the Oyel Moed unless he is there to serve. You can't just casually walk in and look around and, I don't know, so therefore, the minute the Torah says that a Koyan has to wear the uniform in order to enter into the holy space, that must imply that the Koyan is entering the space in order to serve. So why do you have to then tell me additionally, and it's prohibited, to serve without the full uniform? Our question is back in force. Why is it necessary, as Rashi points out, to have two separate sources from which we learn effectively the same principle that a Kohen Golden may not serve in the Beis Hamikdash, missing parts of his uniform? Which, by the way, now that we haven't satisfied our explanation of Rashi, we have to understand why Rashi uses different language in his two interpretations. That the one he says is, The first reference is, if one of these parts of the uniform is missing, that's a problem. Whereas the second one he says, He leaves it far more open-ended that if a koyan serves without a full uniform, that is a capital offense. So in order to understand all of this, and here comes the Rebbe's big shift, let's look at a significant distinction between everything about each of these two explanations that Rashi gives. It's not about, I mean, you'll see it in the words, but it's not simply about the words, it's about what's the goal of, what, of Rashi's commentary. We're going to start with the second Pasuk and then reflect back on the first Pasuk. So, which is the second Pasuk we read, Rashi speaks in the style of law. From here we derive, there you go, from here we derive that this is the law. What is the law? That if a Koyan serves a missing part of his uniform, that's a capital offense. Whereas the earlier Pasuk, is a simple narration without halachic overtones. What is the narration? What's he telling us factually? Had the Koyen entered with part of his uniform missing, that would be a capital offense. That's telling us what's happening. It's not ruling that this is the halacha. And that is the key of understanding the difference between the two Rashis. Rashi is not simply repeating the same information twice. He's actually telling us two different perspectives. The latter pasuk, the uniform should be on the koyhanim, so that they don't die. And that's an eternal statute for him and his family. That is a general principle that applies to every single coin, whether it be a Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Hedjet, whether it be the greatest coin of the group or the ordinary coin, right across the span of history. Whereas the earlier Pasuk, there the Pasuk singled out Aaron and said the uniform has to be on Aaron when he is serving. That is zoning in on a Kohen Gadol represented here by Aaron. And that's the earlier Pasuk that is addressing Aaron. We don't know yet what the Halacha will be for the regular Kohanim. That's what the second Pasuk is coming to add. So the first Pasuk is describing the reality of Aaron HaKohen. The second Pasuk is uh, illustrating the Halacha for all Kohanim.
Now, when the, 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 the Pasuk tells us that if you're missing a garment, it's a problem, it's not only referring to the four garments that every single coin wears, which is effectively the equalizer between the coin god and a regular coin. Actually explains it in the beginning of the Pasuk where he says, It shall be on Aaron. All those garments which are suitable to Aaron as the Kohen Gadol have to be worn by him. And his sons, in other words, the regular Kohanim, have to wear the clothes that are suitable for them. So hang on a second, that means that in the latter Pasuk, we have learned the law that a regular Kohen has to serve with all of his four pieces of his uniform, and the Kohen Godel, Aaron, has to wear all the eight parts of his uniform. So if that's the case, why do we need a Pasuk, special Pasuk for Aaron, earlier on? So that's not a problem. Because, as we've already pointed out, the earlier Pasuk is a very specific law. As Rashi says, That should the Koyan Gadol enter, missing one of these Begodim, not one of his Begodim, one of these Begodim, which we're going to now explain is specifically three out of the special Begodim of the Kohen Gadol, and we'll have to understand why. So if he passed if we take the simplest understanding of Rashi's comment, it means this. When Rashi says that the Kohen Gadol dare not enter the Beis Hamikdash without these specific garments, Rashi is not talking about all six of the garments that had already been listed before them, which is Why not? Because, yes, all we know about these particular garments is that they were listed beforehand. Okay. And Be'ezah was earlier on in the parasha. So that it's not necessarily so directly linked to the conversation that's happening now. What Rashi is referring to over here is three specific garments that the Kohen God must make sure to have on when he enters the base Hamikdash, namely Ha'ephoid, his special apron-like garment, Ha'choshen, the breastplate, Vahamil, and the long tunic with the bells and pomegranates at the bottom. Because those are the things that are part of the conversation at that point in the parasha. These are the instructions that were given at that point in the parasha. And there is something unique about these particular garments, as we shall learn, which is why they have a unique law about them. You know what we're going to find that's unusual about each of these three begodim? That when the Torah gives us the instruction of what these begodim should be, it adds afterwards, The Torah tells us what their unique role and purpose is, which it does not do for the other five begodim. So what does it tell us? When the Torah tells us about how to design the ephod for the Kohen God, then it says, you then put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod with the names of the Bnei Yisrael as a remembrance before Hashem. There's the purpose. What's the purpose of the ephod? That whenever the Kohen Gadol, Aaron Kohen enters the base of Mikdash, he is carrying a memory or reminder of the Jewish people. Purpose. 
After the Torah tells us how to design the Choshen breastplate, it tells us the purpose. That Aaron will carry the names of the Shvatim on his heart. So the whole Jewish people is carried on his heart. To enter the holy space. That their memory will constantly be before Hashem. And Aaron will carry, so to speak, the, the, the rule, so to speak, or the law of the, of the Bnei Israel on his heart always. And when it comes to the meal, it says, that the meal will be on Aaron while he serves or in order to serve. And one of the purposes of the meal is that it should announce his arrival and his exit from the Beis Amikdash by making the ringing sound of the bells that are at the bottom of the meal. In other words, if you read what the purpose of these three garments are, you see that their purpose is fulfilled when the Koyen Gadol enters, key word, enters the Beis Amikdash. The fact that Aaron walks into the base Hamikdash wearing these clothes already in the achieves something. It creates a reminder, awareness of the Jewish people close to Hashem. Through the names of the Yidden, which are on the stones, either of the shoulder elements of the aphoid or the breastplate of the Choshen. Rashi goes into a lot of detail about it, what that means, and what consciousness that creates for the Jewish people in front of Hashem. And the meal has a slightly different role, which is not about necessarily reminding whatever that means, David about the Eden, but it's about announcing his arrival. Now, any of the other parts of the uniform, where the Torah does not tell us why you have to wear them, but the Torah speaks generally about all of the clothes that make up the uniform and tells us that you should put those clothes onto Aaron and his sons, and then you anoint them with oil, and then you empower them and you sanctify them that they should be my kohanim. So what's the purpose of the other garments? They're linked for the initiation of the Kohanim. In order that the Kohanim should be able to serve. So when the Torah is talking about all the parts of the uniform which are required in order to do the service in the base Amikdash, how does that pastor conclude? There the Pasuk says that the purpose of the uniform is to be able to serve Hashem. So the Me'il, Aphoid, and the Choshen are clearly for, the, for Aaron to be able to enter the Beis HaMikdash. The other Begadim are for Kohanim to be able to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. There's our key distinction. That means that the other Five parts of the uniform don't each have their unique particular purpose. They all share the same purposes, facilitating a koyen to be able to serve in the base Amigdash. Ah, so Now we know why we need to learn two different styles of learning about the Kohanim's uniforms from the two Psukim. And we can understand the distinction between Rashi's two approaches to these two psukim and what we learn from them. When you're talking generically about all of the uniform of the Kohanim, from that we learn that if a Kohen or Kohen Gadol serves without all of the uniform on, 
that is capital a capital offense. The fishing because the general uniform, its purpose is to facilitate serving in the base of So serving without it is a problem. But earlier on, when he talks about these specific garments, which is Shlosha Habagodim, Eifot, Choshen, Omiel, which we've identified as these three special parts of the Kohen Gadol's uniform, they're the problem with missing those items out of the uniform. is not a problem only once the person starts to serve. Just simply walking into the base Amigdash without having these parts of the uniform is a serious problem. Should the Kohen Gadol walk in without one of these three elements? What's going to be missing is what that part of the uniform is supposed to achieve, either on behalf of the Jewish people in the case of the Ephod and the Choshen, or on behalf of the Kohen Gadol in the case of the Me'il, when you enter, therefore it's a capital offense because he is not fulfilling the purpose for which that uniform was given or that part of the uniform was given. Now you may have a question at this point that sits also has its own specific, unique uh, purpose. How come it's not on that list? After we're told how to design the tzitz, the Torah also gives us a purpose, which is, that Aaron shall wear it on his forehead, and that will atone for any mistakes in the process of designating things for carbonus, etc. And always, the Aaron or the Kohen God has to wear it on his forehead to consistently atone for the Jewish people. There is a purpose. There you go. The purpose of the tzitz is not to do the avoider service in the base Hamikdash. It's to be on Aaron at all times in order to achieve a, an additional purpose. So how come the tzitz is not included with the choshen ephod and me'il? That should be one of the garments that just simply walking to the base Hamikdash without it is a problem. How come it's grouped with the generic parts of the uniform where just if you're not wearing them while serving, that's the issue? Well, the explanation is actually quite logical once we realize it. The tzitz might appear to also have a purpose and therefore be similar to the Choshen Mil and Ephod, but actually, the tzitz operates in a completely different way to any of the other begodim, those included. Rashi picks this up by the fact that the Torah tells us that it has to be al mitzchoy constantly on the Kohen Gadol's forehead. Well, it's not constantly on his forehead. If he walks out of the base of he's got to remove it. Therefore, Rashi explains, it is permanently able to atone for the Jewish people. Even when it's not on Aaron's forehead. Because if the Kohen Gadol is not on duty, is not wearing the tzitz, the tzitz is still operational 24-7-365. So that puts the tzitz into a category of its own. It's not even like the Choshem Il and Ephod, which are activated the minute the Kohen Gadol walks into the base of The tzitz is always on. Not only does it have to be in the base Amigdash? It doesn't even have to be on its wearer. It is something unique about the tzitz. It is ongoing. It doesn't belong in any category, and certainly not in the category of those things where it's only problematic if you are not wearing them to enter the base Amigdash. 
Rashi. So Rashi clearly has an innovative perspective on these halachas. Because Rashi is clearly telling us something we did not realize beforehand, that there are two categories of clothing that the Kohanim have to wear, each with its own set of laws. Let's say there's a Kohen Gadol, walks into the, uh, the Heichel without one of the parts of the uniform, doesn't do any of the Avoida, and walks out. Whether that was problematic or not will depend on which item of the uniform was missing. If he was missing any of the five, so to speak, more generic parts in the uniform, it's not a capital offense. He walked in, he walked out. There, the prohibition is only against serving. He didn't serve. But should the Kohen Gadol, even for one second, walk into the Heichal, missing the Me'il Choshen or Ephoid, that's a capital offense, even if he did not do any of the Avoidah. Rashi says that very simply in his words, if he will enter, missing one of these components, that is Chayv Misa. Of course, it's Misa B'day Shomayim, it's not executed by the base name. Now there's a beautiful explanation behind why the Kohen Gadol would have these two elements to his uniform. So now that we've identified not just two parts of his uniform, but two parts of his service, that one part of what the Kohen Gadol does is Aleph Kinesos He enters the holy space representing us. And in order to do that properly, he has to specifically have these three garments on him. And then base, there's another layer to what the Kohen Gadol does in that space, and that is Vavoidosa Bakoidosh, that he serves. He does avoid it, performs various avoidos inside the base Hamikdash. And that is in Kol Shemedes Habagodim with his full uniform. These two elements of the Kohen Gadol's service reflect two impacts or two elements of how he draws the Jewish people into the spiritual experience. So firstly, you've got the impact of the Avoida, which is done either by the Kohen Gadol or all Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash, which the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol performs either as our emissary or as our power of attorney. What is that Avoida? What is the Kohen or the Kohen Gadol achieving by bringing sacrifices or Ketores or whatever else is the Avoida in the Beis HaMikdash? By doing that avoida, the Kohen Gadol forges a bond between the Jewish people who are not even inside the Beis HaMikdash necessarily and Hashem. That bond between us and Hashem could happen in two potential ways. The most obvious way is we have a connection to Hashem because of what we do. So we do what Hashem wants and that builds a relationship between us and Hashem. Through learning Torah and performing mitzvahs. Like the Gemara Kiddushan tells us, Why are we here? Why were we created? In order to serve the Ebesha. We serve the Ebesha, we create a bond. But then there's something deeper. There's the core essence of what it is to be a Jewish person. We are the Ebesha's children, or at the very least, the Ebesha's servants, even before we start to do anything. It is who we are, not what we do. That's a bond that is intrinsic, not uh, contingent on behavior. And 
Again, the Rebbe has explained this elsewhere in a different sicha. Why is it that the Jewish people we find are compared to this precious treasure? Like the, the valuables that a, that a king locks away in his treasure house and nobody ever sees. Whatever is hidden away in the royal vaults is not ever intended to be used for royal purposes, for government purposes, for running the country, for, for paying expenses. Why are they there? So that the king will have a tremendous amount of personal pleasure. So we, the Jewish people, are the national treasure of the Eivishter. Just like the national treasure gives us tremendous sense of nachas and beauty to the king, our mere existence, even before we are put into the so-called spiritual budget of transforming this world into a holy place, just the fact that we exist is already valuable to the Eivishter. The Eivishter takes great nachas in the Jewish people. And that explains the two areas of the Kohen Gadol service in the Beis HaMikdash. The first thing is the Kohen Gadol walks in. By him walking in, that symbolizes the entire Jewish nation walking into the space. Because the Kohen Gadol does not enter as a private citizen, he enters as the representative of the entire Jewish people. So as he walks through the door, the whole Jewish nation is inside the Heichel. In the holiest places. And they're there in a way that David, so to speak, is cognizant of us. But Kohen Gadol hasn't even done anything yet. He hasn't begun to serve David yet. He's just walked in. Just having the Kohen Gadol walk into the base of Amigdash already arouses the Abishas, so to speak, acknowledgement of who we are in the essence of our beings. With Abishas' children, with Abishas' servants, before we even do the first step of serving Hashem. And then after the Kohen Gadol has achieved that fundamental statement of fact, the Jews are one with the Abishter, we're the Abishter's national treasure, and we belong in his base Amigdash to be, you know, so to speak, front and center, then he could start doing Avoida. And the Kohen Gadol doing the specifics of the Avoida, bringing Karbana, sprinkling blood, bringing Keturis, Shechting, that is a representation of we doing all of the steps of our Avoida Tashem. And that will also explain why it is specifically the three garments that we have itemized, that are specifically the ones that represent the Kohen Gadol walking in. These three different garments represent the Jewish people in three different stages of spiritual development. We'll start from the top. So first of all, you've got the Eifer and the Choshen that actually carry the names of the Jewish people, not written with ink, but rather etched into the stone itself. That obviously represents a lofty state of Jewish people. You look at them and you can see that they're Jewish. They represent what being Jewish is all about. And it's not a show, it's Chakiko. It is etched into their souls. Like you look at these stones and you see the names of the, of the Bnei Israel. Now the truth is there too, you can split them into two degrees, two groups. 
You have the Choshen, which sits on Aaron's heart, which is obviously a very important part of the human anatomy. They represent the Jewish people who have done such a powerful job of self-transformation and growth that they have transformed their Nefesh Abamis to become holy. Their, their heart is in the right place, so to speak. Whereas the ephod, the stone part of the ephod is here on the shoulders. It's not in front of the person where you could actually see it. These are Yidin who definitely express what it is to be Jewish through fighting against their temptations and against their distractions in a way of Iskafia, which means you're still kind of behind the, the, the realm of holiness. You're trying to get to the realm of holiness, like the stones on the shoulder, which you don't necessarily see until you start turning your head back. Which is this long flowing tunic that goes almost to the floor that represents the Jewish people are still at a very lowly level. Where their only real connection to the Judaism is that they do what Judaism says. It's one of the reasons why we have pomegranates made out of material, obviously, at the bottom of the meal. Because that alludes to the type of Jew, as the Rebbe has explained elsewhere, who is still like a pomegranate. As the Pasuk says, the, the Pasuk in Shem tells us that your, your, your temples are like this adornment of, of pomegranates. And the Gemara comments on that word, that even the so-called empty, devoid of spirituality Jew is filled with mitzvahs like the pomegranate filled with seas. So now you got the Kohen Gadol walking into the base of Mingdash with representation of the highest Jew on the Choshen, the Jew who's really working on himself on the Aphoid, and the Jew who's just getting by, you know, kind of following by rote, who's at the bottom of the Me'il. That is what draws the Abish, so to speak, awareness and attention to us. The entire Jewish people is represented over here. Now you understand the severity of the transgression of walking in, missing some of this? If the Kohen God wants the Ebishter to notice the Jewish people, he has to include every segment of the Jewish population. God forbid, if one group of the Jews is left out of the picture, Either it has no effect for the Kohen Gadol to walk in, or it has diminished effect for the Kohen Gadol to walk in. Because when you're reminding or bringing to to the Abish's attention, whatever that means, the Jewish people, and the fact that the Jewish people have this union with Hashem, there can be no distinction between one kind of Jew and the next. It is something that is universal to every Jew. So if one Jew is missing, the whole thing is missing. Because in order to have that connection to David, it has to be whole. And that has a powerful lesson. A powerful lesson for every rabbi, every teacher, every spiritual guide. Any person who can have a positive influence on another Jew. 
If you encounter a Jewish person, yeah, hey, regardless of where they are spiritually, and the first thing you have to do is like the Kohen Gadol did, make them noticeable, meaning, to remind this person, you know who you really, really are, you're an Ashama that is a piece of the Ebishta. That's who you are. And as the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, that that Neshama emerged from the Ebishter's wisdom to enter the human body. And then like a Kohen Gadol, you'll be taking that person into a place of holiness. And the only way we can do this successfully is we have to be empowered by the Kohen Gadol of our generation through our bond with the tzaddikim, obviously the nasi hador, by having a meaningful relationship with the tzaddik is, is as if we are connected to the shechina itself, that by having a meaningful relationship with the tzaddikim, we connect this is something which is relevant to every single Jewish person. Then when you're getting through the door, then you could start working on avoida. Including the avoida of cleansing all the negative. To get rid of whatever negative might have clung to the person through the you know, various uh, aberrant behaviors. Get the person to avoid doing things that are bad, and get them to increase in doing things that are positive. And by us fulfilling the objective of living up to the, the clothes, the uniform of the Kohen God and what it represents, we will then be zoiche to the Eibishta, giving those uniforms to the Kohanim in the time of Moshiach, when Aaron and his sons and Moshe will be with the Jewish people, the base Hamigdash Ashlishi in the third base Hamigdash, it should be rebuilt immediately.